It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch this season. Whether you're watching the Bengals from the comfort of your own home or going to Paul Brown Stadium, Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi. Made for football. Watching. You are Locked On Bengals. Your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko, along with your co-host, James Rapine. Today, we are going to break down the impact of yesterday's game on the future for this coaching staff. Lou Anarumo has put together a nice little string of games. Zach Taylor found the right buttons to push against the number one defense in the NFL. Even Pac-Man Jones on Instagram is saying, you've got yourself one more year. Does one win earn you one more year in Cincinnati? For many fans, I think when that win is against the Pittsburgh Steelers, the answer is yes, but we will talk about those answers to start the show today. And then it's our favorite episode of the week every week, the second to last mailbag of the regular season. That's coming your way for the rest of the show. But we're going to get started by talking about what this means for Zach Taylor and his coaching staff who were all on pretty hot seats. I would venture to say, going into this game. A lot of Twitter reactions, a lot of media reactions, a lot of former player reactions after the Bengals beat the Steelers on Monday night were, Zach Taylor, you've earned yourself one more year. That seems to be the consensus, and I'm not sure how hot his seat ever was. I think that after a few very ugly performances, it was perhaps a little bit hotter than we may have thought. But coming off a win against the Pittsburgh Steelers, when I was skeptical that Zach Taylor's job was in jeopardy in the first place, he feels solidly back for 2021 at this point. This team has a history of looking at December wins and valuing them highly enough to keep coaches. I'm not so sure about the rest of the coaching staff, but Zach Taylor, I think this is enough for him in Mike Brown's eyes. Not in the eyes of all fans, though, James. On Friday's show, Jake, we talked about how it was possible for Zach Taylor to have a moral victory, that it was very much a thing going into Monday night's game because of how tough it was going to be and how the odds were stacked against him and how the deck was stacked against him. But he desperately needed a good showing, especially after losing. Think about this. What were less than two weeks from him getting blown out and this team getting blown out the hands of the Dallas Cowboys 30 to 7. And and so if a moral victory would have done wonders or at least maybe potentially impressed the front office, snapping an 11-game losing streak against the team that was looking for a division title and was really close to it's a clinching one, right? All they had to do was beat the Bengals, 14-point favorites. Winning with Ryan Finley, a third-string quarterback, winning with the injuries they've had on defense, and really being the aggressor, I think that uh, that does wonders. So 
I, me personally, I want to see him take this from not just week 15, but play well and have his team ready to go against the Texans. That doesn't necessarily mean win and beat the Texans. I think it's going to be hard to beat Deshaun Watson on the road in his house, even if they are four and 10 or four and 11 on the year. I believe it's four and 10. Uh, the same thing with Baltimore in the final week of the season. So I'm curious to see how the Bengals build off this and how Taylor and the team responds to a huge win. But uh, it's it certainly the, the odds do seem uh, in Taylor's favor, especially when you compare it to just a week ago. And the impact of beating the Pittsburgh Steelers for Cincinnati fans, the catharsis, the emotional release for Bengals fans. I imagine Bengals ownership, Bengals players, Bengals coaches on Monday night was palpable for me watching it on the internet. I'm sure it was momentous in that Bengals locker room. The video of Zach Taylor is out there giving the game ball to the whole team, expressing his pride in the players. You saw Mackenzie Alexander after his personal foul that was an offsetting penalty for taunting. He goes out there, breaks up the pass on the very next play. He goes over to the sideline. First thing he does, gives Zach Taylor a little hug. Says, hey, sorry about that penalty. I made the play for you anyway. Zach Taylor probably tells him, hey, good play. Never do that again. You look back at Miami beating the New England Patriots last year. That was in week 17. That was a week after they barely hung on for dear life against, at that point, the downtrodden Bengals. But they did it anyway. They went out and they beat the Patriots in week 17. I'm with you 100%, James. Carry the momentum forward. Continue to look like a competent, aggressive, physical football team. Don't make those bonehead mistakes. I mean, they've been helped. They've been helped tremendously, I think, especially on defense by the quality of competition they've played. The quarterbacks they've played against in this hot stretch for Lou Anarumo's unit include Alex Smith, who hasn't played football in a pretty long time, Colt McCoy, who came in for relief for Daniel Jones, who Daniel Jones was actually playing pretty well against him, Andy Dalton for Dallas, who... Had a pretty nice game, I would say. He didn't need to do a whole lot because of the way the offense went. To Otongo Vailoa, who's having his learning experience as a rookie. And Ben Roethlisberger, who literally just played the worst game of his career. So this defense should play a little bit better against those kinds of offenses. But you still have to give Lou Anarumo credit. And you have to give Zach Taylor credit as a head coach for getting a big win under the brightest lights on Monday night. Coming up next, we get into your mailbag questions, which include a lot of folks that are wondering about the future of this coaching staff. So we will continue to talk about it. We talked with Paul Danner Jr. last week. He thought Lou Anarumo would be the fall guy if Zach Taylor came back. Now that it looks like Zach Taylor will be back, and obviously there are two more weeks to go here, will there be a fall guy? Will it be the entire same staff? We've got some questions about that in our mailbag, so stick around for those answers coming up next. Jake, I had the best workout on Tuesday. Only had a couple of hours of sleep because of the Monday night game. No, I'm not complaining, but I did get up to 285 on the bench. And part of the reason why I did that, and I'm not bragging, or maybe I am, is because of Built Bar. We talk about them all the time. Number one protein bar on the planet. Great taste, amazing flavor. 18 flavors, by the way, including my favorite, the mint brownie. I mean, come on, who doesn't like mint brownie? But the best part about Built Bar, packed with protein, low in sugar, I was cool with eating that as a little pre 
workout snack before I went to the gym and it gave me just enough energy, even though I had low amount of sleep, right? Just a couple of hours. And it gave me the energy to get through that workout. Built Bar is the protein bar for you, whether it's a midday snack, whether it's a post-workout, doesn't matter. You need to check them out right now at BuiltBar.com. Use promo code Locked On. You're going to get 20% off your next order. Again, use promo code Locked On for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. And what can you do with those Built Bar savings to maximize the money in your wallet? Well, you get bets right at BetOnline.ag. You don't listen to James and I, and you go slam the money line for the Cincinnati Bengals against the Pittsburgh Steelers, and you walk away with a vast multiplier of whatever your investment was. BetOnline.ag has you covered for whatever you want to bet on, from player props to parlays to one place we trust. You can get a free account today and use a promo code locked on for a 50% deposit match on your welcome bonus. They've got NFL games, they've got college football bowl games, the NBA is starting for Christmas time. Whatever you want to bet on, get in on the action at betonline.ag. Again, don't forget that promo code locked on. You get 50% matched on your deposit with a welcome bonus on your first deposit. Check them out, betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. We've got a packed mailbag, as we always do. Thank you, everyone who submitted questions for this week's mailbag. And if you want to get your question in in the future, it's at Locked On Bengals to send your question in. We put threads up on Tuesdays. That day may change in the offseason for your questions. So make sure you're following the Locked On Bengals Twitter account. James, before we get into the listener questions, we've made a bit of a tradition in the last few weeks of asking each other questions before the show. And today, James, my question for you is what what did Jesse Bates have to do, man? Like this is a guy that should be the all pro safety and all pro safety. I guess there are two in the NFL this year. And somehow a combination of players and fans did not vote Jesse Bates into the Pro Bowl. I just don't get it. It makes no sense. None. Uh, I was talking with someone from NFL Network when the news dropped. Uh, that that was there on on Monday night, and he w- he was surprised, and we were discussing and going back and forth. And this is the unfortunate part of losing, because if the Bengals were eight had eight wins or ten wins, and, and they were the up and coming team, or if Jesse Bates, for example, was on the Browns, then guess what? He'd be in the Pro Bowl, and, and that that's just the reality of it. So, uh, and, and I look at the guys that got in, Tyron Matthew, as we all know, Minka Fitzpatrick. And then Justin Simmons uh, of the Broncos. Simmons was a snub last year. And and so maybe they're trying to make up for it that way. Maybe Broncos fans delivered from that department. Bates is going to get his. It's extremely unfortunate. But there's no doubt in my mind. And this isn't because I cover the Bengals or we talk about the Bengals daily or anything like that. He's been the best safety in the NFL this year. Like He's given you a reason to watch week in and week out. To me, he's been the burrow of the defense, and uh, which was your reason to watch on offense, right? And I think he's done that on defense. So hopefully he can get his due starting next season because I'm shocked. And there is the other thing here, Jake. He does still have a shot at being an all-pro, even though he's not a pro bowler. That has happened before. It's rare, but it has happened. Now to bigger, better, brighter topics that are going to make you smile because we're in a good mood. It's a victory week here, and it's Christmas week here on Locked on Bengals. And let's dive in 
to the weekly mailbag. Thanks to all who submitted questions. I Ben Nicholas on Twitter asks, the kids are our future, Jake. Can you teach the woo to your landlord's toddler? I would love to. I don't think he's quite there yet. Maybe next year, maybe in two years. You know, he, he does like to make really loud noises. Maybe, maybe one day. The Bengals will be good next year, right? Right? So um, maybe. maybe I'll go borrow him one day next year and bring him in here and have him woo into the microphone. That'd be fun. That would be fun. Oh, man, that would be fun. See, either way, you got to wake that damn kid up next time. I don't care if it's midnight, 3 a.m., doesn't matter. Next time the Bengals beat the Steelers, honestly, I might need you to go on like Periscope or one of these live streaming things, knock on the door and record your woo in your landlord's face and then run back. Why does this have to be an adversarial? Like they're very good people. (laughs) What? You're just excited. It's not being mean. I feel like, it's not woo, like at all. hey, it's 9 p.m. I'm going to come knock on your door and yell in your. I feel like that's pretty rude, you know? Most of the time, though, Bengals games get over around 4 Eastern, which is one year time. So they'd be like right in the middle of their grilled cheese sandwiches, which is what families eat on Sundays because they have toddlers. And uh, and then, yeah, maybe grilled cheese sandwich will go flying because you'll woo right in their face. I uh, I guess you guys do it differently down in the United States, and I've lost that bit of Americanism. I don't know. What? what you don't like grilled cheese? I don't like yelling in people's faces. <laughs> well, is it a yell if it's a woo? That's a that philosophical a question for the ages. Our next question comes from the Bengalorian. Staying on the silly train here for just a second. Will Juju ever dance again? <laughs> I think he's going to dance this week. I really? do. I, and, and, and you know what? I, 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 people are going to crush me here. It doesn't really bother me that he's sticking with it. But my God, if you do that, and Chad Johnson dealt with this a lot, specifically in 06, 07, when the Bengals started to lose after that 05, if you don't win, it doesn't matter what the numbers are. If you don't win, people are going to come at you. I remember Chad, the... The, the infamous game where he set Pepto-Bismol to, to the Cleveland Browns. Look up that stat line. He got his ass kicked that game. Everyone remembers the Pepto-Bismol. No one remembers that he had a fumble, that the Browns won. The Browns, the freaking Browns. I think that was 07, by the way, and I might be off on the year, but I know the Browns won that game, and I was shocked. But when you put a target on your back, it's it's hard to back it up, especially if you're as talented as Juju Smith-Schuster. And what I mean by that is he's above average receiver, but he's not a great receiver. And if you're not great, it's hard to back up that talk. So maybe he'll stop dancing for the Steelers' sake. But uh, I, I lean the other way. I think he'll still dance. I think he's going to try to spike the ball and dance and TikTok his way into some big contract this offseason. Contract with TikTok? Contract with TikTok and, and probably – I'm trying to think of what team would go after him. I don't know. I don't think he'll be in Pittsburgh next year, though. Good. Get him gone. Uh, ir- irredeemable, Juju Smith-Schuster. Um, yeah, I mean, Mike Tomlin said he's going to talk to him. I-, I feel like we won't see Juju dancing unless there's a lot of money from TikTok coming his way for it, which there very well could be. But, James, let's get into some football questions. We've got some questions about coaching and some of our listeners really are not convinced that they, they maybe enjoyed the win against Pittsburgh, but they still are kind of afraid of another year of Zach Taylor. And I get that. 
Our next question comes from Kevin Keefe Jr. If Zach Taylor loses the final two games of the season in blowout fashion, is his seat hot again or did beating the Steelers, these are his words, with the team decimated by injuries. Oh, he's talking about the Bengals, actually. So that's a good thing. Save his job. Did beating the Steelers alleviate any heat from Luana Rumo's seat, from Jim Turner's seat? Are they all a package deal? I don't know if they're all a package deal. In fact, I'll say I can say pretty confidently they're not a package deal because if you're Zach Taylor and you can keep your job, well, then if you have to say bye to Lou or you have to say bye to Jim or say bye to both of them, you're going to do that to keep your job. That being said, I think the seat has cooled some, certainly on Taylor. I do think it was hotter than what the national media was saying and, you know, basically that he wasn't on the seat. I think the seat was certainly hot, warm to hot. But when you beat Pittsburgh, you do it in the fashion they did. And it, it, it wasn't just that they came out and forced some turnovers and held on for, for dear life for the win. They were productive when they needed to be on offense and they made adjustments on offense and they were buttoned up and they didn't turn the ball over. And like we said on, on the postgame show, Zach Taylor outcoached Mike Tomlin like it, he just did. It, you know, the game plan was there and, and the defensive coach didn't make adjustments to stop Ryan Finley in the read option. So I think his seat is cooler, but you, you never say never. What if they go to. Uh, Houston this week and lose 40 to nothing. And I'm not saying that's going to happen, but we just saw the Bengals beat the Steelers and no one thought that was going to happen. So uh, I think things are cooled down. I, I think things are, are aligning for Zach to be back, which in turn would probably mean in my eyes, if the offense is playing and, and functional, we know how Jim Turner's friends with Zach Taylor. I wouldn't be shocked at all if, if Jim Turner's back and the defense has played relatively well. So if they finish the way they've been playing, then I, I wouldn't be shocked at all if most, if not all, of the coaching staff is back next year. And you have a little turnover, but I, I wouldn't be shocked at all if that's that's the case. Yeah, I think that that all sounds very reasonable, grudgingly. In no circumstance, for me personally, should Jim Turner return to the Cincinnati Bengals. He's shown that he has no eye for evaluating talent, on the offensive line, he's shown essentially no development for most of the players on the offensive line. And I do not trust him at all. I do not trust him at all after he banged the table for his own guys, waited until the sixth round to draft a tackle, and then desperately started pulling guys off the waiver wire during the season to, to try to find some stability and you needed to do that. I just, Joe Burrow's a future man. And if they draft Penny Sewell, he's a future and you're going to trust those two guys, safety and development in any part to Jim Turner. No, absolutely not. I'm not on board. I, I can see much more of an argument for Lou Anarumo. If you want to go that way, personally, myself, I would replace them both. I still think Anarumo is in a bit over his head, but they have done their job against subpar offenses and subpar quarterbacks in the last few weeks, and they have been shorthanded in many of those games. And they've been okay. They weren't very good against Dallas, but they were in some really bad situations against Dallas too. I mean, the, the, the Bengals did against Dallas what the Steelers did against the Bengals, essentially. Three straight turnovers to start the game. And, and it's tough to do that, it's tough to do anything with that as a defense. So I, I get that. But 
Anarumo had a really great performance last night, and Carl Lawson's starting to turn up. The secondary looks cohesive. Von Bell's had a great second half, relatively speaking anyway. Jesse Bates, the best safety in the NFL, as you said, James. So Anarumo's doing some things right, and if they can get him some players on that interior defensive line, get him another edge rusher, maybe you see the defense come together a little bit. We're going to stay on the topic of coaches. We're going to stay on the topic of these assistant coaches coming up next before we get in to some draft questions to finish the show. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. James, we've got a few more questions here about some coaching things before some folks are concerned about that third overall pick. But in the same topic that we closed the last segment on, talking about Lou Anarumo performing pretty well in the last few games, talking about my skepticism of Jim Turner going forward, the Jake Money on Twitter wants to know, what coordinator do you think has progressed the most? And I think we could extend this to positional coaches as well if you've got anything in mind. But Jake thinks that Lou has really stepped up in the past six games or so. Lou has fared better. I mean, there, there's no denying it. Look, he's shorthanded, and I don't really care about the competition, and I get it's a factor. But w- when evaluating what he's done, I think they've they've improved. And when you lose Burrow, you know that the defense is going to have to play better, and I think they have. That doesn't mean they're game-changing, but they certainly set the tone on, on Monday night. They uh, have kept them in ball games and given – this offense a chance and sometimes the offense has taken advantage and stayed in it and sometimes it hasn't but yeah I, I think Anarumo's won it's tough to evaluate Brian Callahan because it's not like we have play calling to evaluate but here's what I will say I thought Zach Taylor and the way he coached in that third quarter specifically after a couple of three and outs you're struggling the Steelers scored 10 points and going down and getting you know nine play 80 yard drive the read option stuff If I'm going to credit Taylor, I'm going to give Brian Callahan credit too, because guess what? He puts together a lot of the game plan. He helps Zach with a lot of that stuff while Zach's focused on the head coaching duties. And so that's, that's the key. And that's what I wanted to see from this offensive regime in general, right? Growth. Well, they lost at week six when they had a 21 point lead and they got conservative and you could feel them get tight in the second half specifically. And that was with Joe Burrow. They didn't seem tight on Monday night, even when they could have gotten it, even though uh, the history of the Bengals-Steelers rivalry. And so I've seen growth on both sides, and that's just the reality of it. And I'm not saying it's all sunshine and daisies because I'm not sure if I I personally would bring Zach back next year. I'm still not. But I think things are progressing in the right way. And what I want to see personally is, again, and I'm going to harp on it, and I'm going to keep harping on it, consistency. So for Lou Anarumo, the next couple of weeks, well, can you contain Deshaun Watson? What about Lamar Jackson, right? That's a test all of a sudden. Can you do that with a shorthand defense? And and that doesn't mean hold him to seven points, 
but can you you have good showings despite being shorthanded? And then on the flip side, can this offense continue to build off of what it did against the Steelers and maybe put together more than one consistent drive a week? Because that's what they've done, and the turnovers helped them on Monday night. Can they be a little more consistent? I think that's sort of the key, and we'll continue to evaluate the coaches. And it's crazy, only two games left. Well, that's one-eighth of the season. There's still uh, eight quarters at least uh, to be played and, and plenty of evaluating to do in my eyes. Next question, Brian at B Art Bo on Twitter asks, how much of the Bengals' performance against the Steelers was playing a slumping Pittsburgh team and or versus what Zach has been preaching the last two years actually coming together, the execution of concepts and the details, Versus the actual planets aligning and all hell breaking loose. A little bit of column A, a little bit of column B, right? <laughs> I mean, the offense working against the Pittsburgh Steelers defense was pretty shocking. And you heard the ESPN commentators talking about some of the injuries they're dealing with. But you're talking about replacing linebackers. It's not that hard to do in the NFL. Although the linebackers probably were at least partially at fault for Ryan Finley's essentially game-winning touchdown on that read option. It wasn't just the linebackers that went the wrong way. I think everybody on that Pittsburgh defense was fooled pretty well. But if Devin Bush is out there, who knows? Maybe it's a little bit different. Maybe not. So I think that the injury certainly helped. Carl Lawson playing the best game of his career certainly helped. Ben Roethlisberger playing the worst game of his career. Well, part of that's Ben. Part of that is the defense. And again, I think Carl Lawson deserves a lot of credit. The safeties played really well. The Bengals created turnovers. And that's all stuff that you have to give them credit for. That's stuff that happened. But I do think that, James, you said you didn't care about the competition when you were talking about Lou Anaruma. I think that matters quite a bit, especially when you're talking about the defensive outcomes. I think a lot of defensive outcomes in the NFL, and this is a theory that, uh, it's a PFF theory that I really like, is that essentially defensive performance, defensive results are more predicated upon the opponent than the defense itself. And I think that there's a lot of evidence for that. And I think when you sit down and think about that, that makes a lot of sense. That said, you know, Carl Lawson had a great individual performance. And these guys that I talked about, the corners as well, had really nice individual performances. You know, Josh Bynes making a great play here and there too. So, you know, those guys all get credit. I think they do get credit for their win and you know Jupiter and Saturn are aligned for the first time in 800 years or something like that so you know let's credit the planets too let's not discriminate right <laughs> you're right and that that's had to have played a part in it no doubt about it it had to have played a part in Ben Roethlisberger suddenly having noodle arm or, or whatever the sudden. case is it's not sudden but, I, I mean it was way worse on Monday than it's been way worse way I mean he was dreadful. I mean, he had seven yards passing until that screen to, uh, I think it was Jalen Samuels on the, their last drive before the first half ended. But uh, no, of course, the opponent matters. But what, what I mean by that with Lou is it's still the NFL. So who, regardless yep. of who you're playing, it's going to be hard when it's Ryan Finley or Brandon Allen and your offense is averaging 8.6 points over the last five weeks. And so th that's the part of it is there's a lot of pressure on the defense. And I think for the most part, They've kept the Bengals in it, and, and so uh, he deserves some credit there. Obviously, part of that probably does have to do with the quarterbacks, but the next couple of weeks, I mean, it's it's very much prove-it time, I think, for this coaching staff, 
and they could ride just from a fan perspective, regardless, because we don't know what the front office is thinking. If they can somehow put together and have momentum going into the offseason, taking this Pittsburgh win and going from there, and it doesn't mean winning out or anything like that, but just the overall outlook of the team feels better, but with them being competitive, essentially, I think that would uh, that would go a long way in keeping these coaching staff intact. I agree with that. You want to see that continue. You want to see the defense continuing to play at a high level, making good individual plays, seeing the offense find a way to do something. Ideally, the defense is still generating the turnovers and makes it easier for them. We got some questions concerned about the Bengals draft capital and wondering about Penny Sewell as well in our mailbag. We're going to combine some questions here. One of them was Wheels at AC Wheels 10. One of them was Greg Luther at Gregor 09. And one of them was Mike Bowman at Mike Bowman 2. So these are questions like, can they win more games and keep the third spot? And if Zach's job is safe, is it more important for them to get a road win or lose and maintain that third spot? And finally, if Sewell is gone, what are the options for the Bengals? So a lot to talk about there, but all really focused on how do the games impact the third pick and what if they can't get Sewell? Another win would really, really hurt their chances of getting the third pick because of the tie. So there are multiple teams with four wins. And so if the Bengals win a fourth game, then they're essentially treated in the in-between. They're better than the four-win teams, not as good as the five-win teams, which would drop them to as low as six. So from a draft standpoint, and I'm not telling you to do this, but it's the reality. If you want the Bengals to have the third pick, they can't go higher than that no matter what happens now after the Pittsburgh win. But if you want them to stay there, then they need to lose the final two games. That could change the teams uh, you know, that have four wins, i.e. Houston, which the pick is going to Miami anyway. If they beat the Bengals this week, that, that certainly could change things. And maybe all the four-win teams win this week. I, I don't see that happening necessarily. But, but that could happen and give them a, a shot at a, a Week 17 win against the Ravens. That wouldn't impact their draft status. But right now, if you're worried about draft, they can't win another game. Here, here are the scenarios specifically. I'll try to run through them quickly. The Eagles, who are currently 4-9-1, and one, and if they were tied with the Bengals, will be picking ahead of the Bengals based on the strength of schedule tiebreaker play at Dallas and against Washington to close the year. They seem to have found some life with Jalen Hurts. You could see them potentially winning one of those games. The Texans have a head-to-head with the Bengals here. If the Bengals beat the Texans, I feel like that makes it really hard for the Texans to get back behind them in the draft order. The Texans do close the season against Tennessee in what will likely be a must-win game for Tennessee to get into the playoffs or have something to do with playoff odds at that point. I know the Colts need to win out, for example. The Falcons play at Kansas City and then at Tampa Bay. I feel like the Falcons absolutely don't win another game this season. And the Carolina Panthers play at Washington football team and then host New Orleans. So a lot of Washington coming up in there. Washington now 6-8. and eight. They just lost for the first time in quite a while. That defense playing quite well. So the scenarios for those teams behind them to win a game is, is fairly unlikely, I would say. So if the Bengals win, they could be looking at drafting 6th or 7th if they just win one more game. So that that is the stakes. And another team winning a game, well, you can judge those odds for yourself. Clearly, any given Sunday, 
anything can happen. And as far as what they do if they miss on Sewell, here's the thing, guys. Everyone last year was very concerned about losing draft status because they would lose on Joe Burrow. Penny Sewell, for the caliber of prospect he is, is an offensive tackle. That's it. The, the importance of getting your quarterback versus getting your offensive tackle is a magnitude of difference. Quarterback is so much more important than any other position on the football field that if you miss on Sewell, it's not the end of the world. It's not ideal. I think that the ideal case is probably that you draft Sewell, but there are other good tackles in this draft class. Sewell is raw. He didn't play this year. And I still expect that he'll be a very good player. There are some question marks. He wouldn't have been, for many evaluators, a top tackle in last year's tackle-rich class. And while he's likely to be the top evaluated tackle this year, it's not the end of the world. And a lot of that is positional value. A lot of that is depth in the draft. And a lot of that is the Bengals just need talent more than they need specific positions, in my opinion. They need to find talented players in as many positions as possible to give themselves as many chances as possible to find a game-changing player. And Sewell could certainly be that, but if they miss on him and they end up trading back, maybe they stay at third, he gets picked second to the Jets, they trade back, that gives them more opportunities to find players. And, and the draft largely is a numbers game. I agree with a lot of what you said, Jake. Um, the, the one thing that, not that I even disagree with because you didn't say this, but I'm going to just come out and say it. You should want the third pick. I, I, it might not be Sewell. It might be trading back because someone moves up for fields. Heck, Sewell might go to the Jets at two. And if I'm the Jets, I would consider doing that because I still think Sam Darnold has a chance to be better than he's been the first three years of his career. Uh, th- this idea, uh, you know, about momentum and stuff, I, I like that. At the same time, there's such a huge difference between the third pick and the seventh pick. I mean, you're talking about trade back possibilities. You're talking about the best player on the 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 board at that point could be Jamar Chase, right? It, it could be Kyle Pitts from Florida. And I, I mentioned Pitts over the weekend. I was like, man, he would look good in stripes. And people lost it, to, to your point. And, and it isn't the end of the world if they don't get Sewell. And honestly, what they do in free agency might be enough to say, I'm not sure they need Sewell so they can be more flexible in the draft. Hopefully they are active in free agency. So that aspect I, I'm not arguing with at all. I still want the third pick. It's about just getting the highest pick right now because that gives you your best chance at getting that top talent because who the hell knows? I think people assume, Jake, that this, it's going to be Sewell and that's it. I don't think the Bengals are just locked in on Sewell right now. I think they're wide open with the third pick. And, and the, the first part of it is losing out to get there. And that's something that they're going to need to do because I don't see the teams behind them winning many games over the next two weeks. Certainly agree with that. The loss of draft capital from three to six or seven would be significant. And that gets into some pretty nebulous territory that I have a hard time really thinking about the winning versus for for me thinking as a long-term outlook, which I do. It seems to me that having that draft capital will be more important, especially if like Zach Wilson is still there at three, for example, say the Jets stick with Darnold and, and draft Sewell. And now you've got teams trying to trade up for a quarterback. Maybe maybe that's the best case scenario for the Bengals. There's certainly a world in which that is the case. 
That's going to do it for this episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. Tomorrow we've got the crossover. It's a short week. No episode coming for Christmas Day, so a couple more this week. Until then, no listener discretion advised for the end of today's show. Just a wholesome and hearty who day to all. And to all, have a good one. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.